to Off The Shelf Reviews. I do love a good western. And I'm Gary. And today we're going to review and discuss Hang'em High, which released in 1968. Written by Leonard Freeman and Mel Goldberg and directed by Ted Post. Ian, why don't you give us the synopsis? Well, the story follows Clint Eastwood's character, Marshall Cooper. He's been mistakenly hung by a group of nine men after they mistook him for stealing some cattle. Once he's freed, he gets his badge back and decides to hunt each one of them down. See, I just rode in. I'm gonna wash down some trail dust. And... So as I said, this was released in uh, August, I believe, of 1968 mm. and was incredibly well received at the time, both critically and commercially. Wow. I believe it made uh, just about $7 million dollars. Uh, in gross mm. and actually outshined. I mean, this was United Artists, and this film outshined every James Bond film they'd released to that point as well. Nice. So, just to give you an idea of the success of this film, yeah. Um, and this, I believe, as well was. I mean, Clint Eastwood was fairly well known at this point. He'd already done the Spaghetti Western trilogy with yeah. Sergio Leone, um, and he'd already, you know, appeared on American televisions in Rawhide. Yeah. Um, but uh, this was. His first leading role in a Hollywood movie. Um, and not only that, I believe this was the studio that Clint Eastwood had founded himself as well. And it was also their first project. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, there were also some clashes on the set. Now, of course, Clint had worked with uh, with Ted Post before on Rawhide. Yeah. Um, and so got him in as the director. But the, the writer, Leonard, uh, Leonard Freeman... Uh, kept appearing on set and kept wanting to change things like the script and everything that was going on and yeah. kept clashing with the director. Yeah. And uh, so Clint literally stepped in at one point and, sa and said to Leonard Freeman, like, if you show up on this set again, the next time you show up, there will not be a set, there will not be a crew, and there will not be a cast. Now leave. Ooh. And so when Clint Eastwood <laughs> says something, yeah. even if you wrote the thing that this man's delivering... He never turned up on set again and the film got made. <laughs> Weirdly enough, that actually explains a lot. Because this is the first time I'd ever seen this one. And, you know, I, I, I've seen a lot of Eastwood westerns. But the, the major ones, you know, are Fistful of Dollars, The Good, The Bad and The Ugly, you know, Unforgiven. You know, these... Eastwood had done a lot of cowboy stuff. So for Hang 'em High, I was like, oh, yeah, I know what I'm getting myself into. But... The film felt incredibly rough in places. You know, like this was, like we said, this is 1968. So he hasn't made Dirty Harry at this point yet. And we haven't really gotten to maybe the exploita uh, exploitation era of Hollywood cinema just yet. But it, this kind of felt like that. I mean, we'll go into how the, uh, the, the story goes. But actually, I like, the, I like the way that the intro was. Like we had this whole story build up. Then the title card. Yes. Then we had a whole nother kind of talking bit. Then the actors' names all popped up. And I was sat there and I'm just like, where have I felt this before? And it, it was, it felt Grindhouse. It felt Tarantino-esque. And so I kind of just settled into it really well. Nice. Yeah, I mean, it's it's got a real gentle opening, you know. It's the, the music's playing, <laughs> Yeah. you know. 
we're watching Clint, you know, maximum cowboy attire. You're like rustling, you know, yeah, just uh, all those cows. Those cows look real. I mean, the effects on those cows were. Yep. Yeah. You know, all the branded marks on the sides, yeah. you know, and, uh, and and it is brutal what happens next. You know, we see this posse turn up. You know, they uh, they immediately accuse him of stealing these cows. They 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 hang him up. And uh, and and uh, they do stop. They're just like, right, we just want to check because he's, you know, claiming that he actually brought these cows. Well, that's it. He's got a bill of sale and everything, you know. And they and they they realize it's been marked, but the mark that Eastwood Cooper's character has got is not the mark of the person who actually owns these cows. And it turns out that that person's been shot and killed at his farm. These nine men have come along uh, to find whoever killed the cows, and that's when they've come across. Uh, Cooper and we've got um, Ed Begley playing Captain Wilson the leader of the group now I only know him from one other film the Dunwich the Dunwich horror you know and so I was just like oh I've got this cool character to get behind but the like I said between the editing of the camera you know you get the shot of like all nine men as you see them and you you don't really get their names at the start but like you've got Captain Wilson Reno Miller Jenkins, you've got Stone, who's this kind of big guy, and um, a couple of them kind of, you know, stop for a moment because they're not supposed to really lynch Cooper. Like it's a, like what it's he, illegal. Yeah, yeah. cattle <laughs> wrestling is illegal. Um, but them lynching him now instead of turning turning him into the sheriff—that's the old way. Yeah, you know, and they're trying to get rid of that. Where Captain Wilson's just like, no, let's. Let's get on with it. So you get Bruce Dern. You know, gotta love a good old 60s, 70s version of Bruce Dern. He steals the wallet. You know, Reno, the guy with the eye patch, he steals uh, Cooper's saddle as well. And they stick him on this horse. Um, and and get him, the horse gets pulled, um, pulls the rope and he goes up in the air. They leave him there. <laughs> And that's the title. That's the title <laughs> there. And you're like, Jesus, right. Okay. Like he's probably got to be dead. Now in comes Dave Bliss, you know, the, the, the local, uh, Marshall played by Ben Johnson. And I thought it was really interesting that Bruce Dern said that when you watch Ben Johnson, who's like this old timey, um, American TV cowboy, who's done a lot of horse horseman work and he rides up, after he sees Cooper hanging on this rope, he rides up. At full gallop. At full gallop, manages to slow down and chop the rope all in one take. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at the time, that's, you know, that that's incredible. Yeah. It's absolutely incredible. The stunt work, you know, on location. Yeah, fantastic. Well, Bruce Dern said, like, he just saw this all done in one take. You know, it's just yeah. really impressive to see this man just be able just to... Just nailed it. Pull yeah. it, yeah. Yeah. And so, of course, he ends up, you know, saving, saving Cooper here. Uh, takes him back, you know, uh, helps him recover, and then takes him back to jail. <laughs> take, take, <laughs> takes him to the town sheriff, just like, there you go. Well, he has that whole brilliant conversation, I thought it was great, where he says to Cooper, he's just like, look, either you're innocent and we'll get this all sorted out, or you're bad and you'll hang twice. <laughs> yes, I'm just like, oh, damn. Welcome to the West! <laughs> you know? And uh, and we get that, you know, that that brilliant shot of watching you know the prison wagon come into town oh yeah everybody watching and looking because you know we can see the gallows there 
Yes. Like, we know most of these men are destined to hang there. Um, and so there's, you know, the, the audience are just building up their anticipation of who they're going to see hang in a few days' time. Yeah. And uh, and we also get introduced to uh, Inger Stevens' character, Rachel Warren, who, for whatever reason, is looking at all these men for one in particular. Yeah. Not spotting who she's after, but it's the first time she spots potential future love interest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know how these films go. You know what Clint Eastwood's like. The camera work lingers on his face just enough that you're like, ooh, smouldering. You know? <laughs> like, you look at Dwayne The Rock Johnson. You He's look got at nothing on Clint. Jason Statham. Well, that's where they stole this look from because Clint's just got to look at the camera. And, yeah, I'm, oh, man, Inger Stevens. Wow. Like, this film, this I had an issue with this film that, like, I know I always say I wiki my movies, but, you know, some movies you have to, because they don't tell you their names. <laughs> you just, oh, see the lady over there? Yeah, she's doing this. Okay, I'm like, who? <laughs> What's she doing? You lady know? over there. Lady by. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, Inga Stevens, what a, a beautiful woman to look at. And, yeah, she's, she's looking for a certain particular criminal for something we won't spoil just yet. Eastwood gets released and meets up with the the local judge of, of, of this town, played by uh, Pat Hingle. Who you'll probably remember from Maximum Overdrive. Yeah. Or maybe as Commissioner Gordon Commis- from Batman. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he's playing Adam Fenton. And, you know, he explains it that he is the only place in, like, five states that has got a court, you know? And... His court details all the all the judgments of crimes for everybody around, and m- most of the time, ninety percent, ninety nine percent of the time at this at this time. I don't know how historically accurate this movie is, by the way, but it's like, yeah, we just hang people, you know, we we send them to court, and if they're if they're found guilty, we hang them, and you really get this big emphasis that what well, I did from this movie that like on a Sunday or whatever it could be a Tuesday, I don't fucking know. They just get six men out and they hang them in front of everybody and everybody watches. It's like a social... Oh, yeah. Social thing. Yeah, yeah. Public executions. Yeah, absolutely. And what you get from Cooper, like, he used to be a marshal. Yes. But then he's he's left and he's wanting to settle down with cattle. Now, this has happened to him and he's wanting to go out there and get the men. Yeah. But he's got to do it lawfully. Well, that's it. I mean, he doesn't want to do it lawfully. He just wants to go out there and and get all the ones that that hung him up, dead or alive anyway. Um, And and, and Pat Hingle, you know, the judge is just like, no, like, put on this badge and get paid for it. And then I don't have to hang you (laughs) for doing it. But just bring them all back alive. Yeah. And, you know, and and this is um, this is probably the biggest criticism I've witnessed of this film as that. For a Western, there's way too much talking. There's way too much philosophy. There's way too much, um, you know, debating or or musing over what is justice and what is vengeance and what is right and what is wrong. And this film really likes to explore that instead of it just being on the surface. The characters here do like to at least explore it a little bit. Or at least there are two opposing, you know ideas about what to do but that's what i really started to like about this movie like i said i i felt that it was rough like what in terms of the film stock or the sound like or? yeah like, like well like the editing the way it, the the camera like 
whatever the director was trying to emphasize, you know, you know, he he just hadn't mastered his craft as maybe some other directors had or or have that I've seen. And maybe with Eastwood just behind the, the camera as well, trying to help the story along the way in his own little way, he was getting it to that professional level. Because I know Clint Eastwood can direct. Yeah, like some of his work is fucking top notch. But I also find, I, like I said, when I, when I mean rough, I mean maybe documentary like realistic like this is how this film is how a western is supposed to be where you know the john wayne ones that we've seen is a little bit more fantasy like sure you know i liked the f philosophical lessons between this pat hingle himself is quite a smart guy when he's actually acting really well and when he goes up against eastwood who i don't expect to say much but when he does open his mouth you know He's on the money. He he he's he's pretty smart. So when when he gets explained by Pat Hingle that he's got to go out and he's got to get this other prisoner, he goes off into this other town, and like I got big Red Dead Redemption two vibes as he's riding into the town. I'm like you could just see like the mission name come up at the bottom or something, and he walks in. He walks right past the two guards at the sheriff station. He walks in. He wakes up the sheriff. He kind of just throws the the warrant onto him like he's fucking smooth and was well, because this other um sheriff i guess or this other deputy's got a really bad back and he's really old yeah 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 it, but he's there for the the money not really for the job yeah and the person in this jail cell is nothing to do with the story but but it is dennis hopper <laughs> <laughs> No, 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 you were thinking about the crazy prophet man we yes. saw at the beginning. Uh, the yes. crazy prophet man <laughs> with Dennis Hopper. That was that was great. And he's all tied up. He's just like, I'm gonna let you out. Yeah, like, what were you <laughs> thinking, Dave Bliss? You're just like, I'm just gonna let you go. Don't run. I'm like, the first thing he's gonna do is run. And this this harkened back because we saw Eastwood in the cage. This is our first lesson of, you know, Bliss doesn't want to shoot him in the back. But then, because everybody thinks it's going to cheat the hangman, like the hangman's got a job, you know, but at the same time, he's escaping. He's a bad criminal. You know, the, the, this guy that Cooper's going to pick up in this town is uh, he's either the Swede or, or the, the Frenchman or the Dane or something. Yeah, yeah. But he's nothing connected to Miller's gang. And Which, when, of course, annoys Cooper because he just wants to go after them. But because he's now employed, yeah. he's forced to go and do jobs that he doesn't want to do. But he goes and goes and gets the stake from the saloon, and that's when he spots his saddle on the horse. Yeah, and he walks into the bar, and we see Reno at the bar, and man, it's it was so it, well done. It it, 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 this for me is the coolest that Clint Eastwood looks in the entire film. Yeah. From the moment he sees the saddle, his expression change. You know, smoking, smoking as he comes into the into the bar. Of confronting this man who obviously doesn't recognize him at all. Yeah. You know, and, and like the moment when he puts out his smoke in the drink. <laughs> yes. It's like, oh, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> and he gives the man a chance, but he has to shoot him down because he goes for his gun. And uh, and I like the scene that plays out afterwards where, you know, Clint's just like, right, I'm off to go get the next one. I'm off to go get me steak. I like there's a bit of police work, a little bit. Yes. Where they're like, right, witnesses, write down what you said. Well, I can't read or write, mister. And he's <laughs> like, well, he'll translate and you leave your mark. Yeah. So yeah. I, I really liked all that little stuff. See, I like that too because it just, you know, humanized everything that Cooper was doing. Like, he still had this job to do. So he goes off and he has a steak. 
And, you know, they bury Reno because, you know, he, he doesn't need to hang him anymore. And when he heads back to uh, Pat Hingle, Pat Hingle is just happy to get this, you know, he's got the prisoner that he's wanted and sends Cooper off to Red Creek again. And this, you know, we like we said, we keep seeing Inga Stevens come up and seeing the prisoners and it's not the person that she's looking after. But the film still not told us why. And but her story was really, really well done, I thought. So he heads to Red Creek, and as he's heading into Red Creek to get another prisoner, that's when he spots Stone, one of the men of the Nine. And so he immediately just arrests him and takes him to jail. And then he's spotted by Miller, played by Bruce Dern, who's coming out of the local saloon. And so, like, it's... it's it's nice that the, how the movie kind of bridges all these stories together and kind of intertwines them and keeps them going because we follow him to the sheriff station. Yeah, and I also really like how, like, the, the nine that he's after, the nine that lynched him to begin with, like, we know there's uh, they're, they're not all villains, you know? Some of yeah. them uh, thought they were doing the right thing. Yeah. And, uh, and some of them, we find out from the other townspeople, like, from the other sheriff, like, um, how... You know, I'm friends with these people. Yeah, I, I've been, yeah. I've been known them my whole life. We have Sunday dinner after church together every yeah. week. It's just like, I don't understand how they, they did that to you. So, like, they're not all, you know, just outlaws. Um, and so, I did like that there was a balance or a mixture there between the posse from from the start. Yeah, and uh, and then we do have. Uh, the the old geezer, the old man who who at the start was just like I don't think it's right we should be hanging him yeah yeah uh, he actually turns himself in he turns himself in yeah, yeah. and uh, and and it's an awesome conversation when 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 Clint goes down into the cells just to see him and talk with him yeah and like this old man's like completely defeated he was you know and I I'm guessing they they were gonna hang him as well yeah yeah but, yeah uh, he does argue again another point with with Pangle like to to pardon him and again more conversations about justice and right or wrong and he did the crime he should do the time well, that's <laughs> it we had this brilliant moment because once he's dropped off stone to the to the sheriff he's riding out to another place for to pick up Maddo I think is another one of the nine yeah um and they come across this local farmer whose father and and brother have just been killed and all of their cattle have been stolen so, you know, Cooper's just like, look, I'm supposed to be doing this other mission. And the sheriff's just like, look, are you a lawman or not? So they wrangle a posse together, they head out, and they capture Miller, Bruce Dern's character, and they capture these two young boys. And the farmer, he's just like, we're going to lynch them. And Cooper's like, no, you're not. Yes, we are. That's what we're doing. And Cooper's just like, I'm the law. And if you go to do that, I'm going to shoot you down. And... You know, like, I can understand, I suppose, that some people would complain that there's far too much talking. But if you're really listening, listening, you understand what they're saying. Cooper's just like, I, I get you want to re get revenge for your brother, but what you're doing would be murder. And if we take them in, they will be hanged anyway and tried. It's just going to take a little little longer it's really frustrating even nowadays 2022 it's incredibly frustrating uh, you know the uh the 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 judicial system i suppose and in a way and it sounds wrong but in a way i started to think wow maybe we should bring hanging back because now like I, it sounds wrong but there's this whole system now where cooper's just talked all these farmers down at gunpoint that you're not supposed to Kill, kill these men. Like you're going to die two days from now. <laughs> and then he walks 
two boys and Miller back through the desert to Pat Hingo and the hanging town. And they actually think he's dead. But the moment he gets there, you know, there's this like this whole big celebration from Adam Fenton about, oh, my God, you, you, you don't believe how good this is. This this man, he's brought these prisoners in. He even had to fight Bruce Dern at one point in the desert. And Bruce yeah. Dern almost killed him, you know. But he, he managed to keep him. The boys didn't help, which... But they also didn't prevent anything, so... Yeah. yeah. So Cooper, Clint Eastwood's character, actually tries to convince Pat Hingle at that point to let the two boys go. But Pat Hingle's like, look, they've got to go through the court system just like everyone else. And so we even see the court system because... And it, and it's pretty much just a sham, isn't it? It's the... it, it is, but it... Clint Eastwood doesn't want to stay. He wants to go out and get these nine. But he also wants to make sure that the two blonde boys don't hang because he feels like they're underage and they didn't commit the murder. But, but they yeah. were there, you know. But they... Pat Hingle needs Eastwood there to do the trial because he's the major eyewitness. Anything he says in the court case will help. And so, it, yes, it's a sham, but it's a sham because he's literally the only judge in a thousand miles and so it all rests on his shoulders he even says to the lawyer at this point don't try to convince the the jury that of the law of the law i'm the law here you sir you will elicit facts from the witness i will tell the jury what's the law yes and they you know he, he ends up trying the two boys they were cattle rustling it's a hanging offence. It's a hanging offence at that point. You know, that's that's it. And you get the whole build-up of them having the hanging procedure. And the film doesn't really shy away. It's filmed really well. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a whole scene. Like, you know, we're, we're seeing people selling moonshine outside. Yeah. You know, people are eating. People, The crowds have gathered. They brought their children. Yeah, it's, it's a whole family day out, you know. And they've got the priest up there getting everybody to sing. You know, and uh, and it, you you make a whole day out of it. Yeah, <laughs> but it, but it's it's the way uh, you know Fenton, um, Pat Engel's character emphasizes that it teaches everybody else that there are laws. Yeah, you know nobody in the town is going to break the law because if they do, they're going to hang. It did have one of my favorite shots as well, though. Uh, just uh, like foreshadowing, obviously, uh, yeah. when you see the shadows of all the boots kicking. Yes, and then the camera pans up and you see all the all the dudes sitting on the on the roof. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's that was cool. That was cool. I absolutely loved the the last requests. You know, where they go past and they say to the old man, like, what's your last request? Can I have some chewing tobacco? You know, they say to the the, the kind of... Um, the alcoholic. Yeah, dude, the alcoholic yeah. man. He blames whiskey. It's the devils. Yeah, <laughs> you're like, he's, he's a father and he, he's a husband and he didn't mean to do whatever he meant to do. Then you got the two boys. That really hit me where he's just like, bye, Ben. Bye, Ben. I was a good Christian. Bye. A good husband to my beloved wife. Good father to my children. And, you're and like, then the hood's over, yeah. Yeah, you're like, oh my God, what kind of life have these boys had? You've got that last guy he's smoking, he's just like, yeah, my last request is tell him to shut up and let's get over and done with. <laughs> you know, and this plays into Cooper, who's who was going to go see The Hanging, but he's decided to go off and grab a girl and just, you know, have his own afternoon while the whole town is watching this hanging. Yeah. And we had already at this point as well before had cut back to the remaining members of the posse that had lynched him. Yes. And uh, and uh, Ed Beagley's Captain Wilson is just like, 
we're going to get him. Like, yeah. we, 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 we've made three mistakes, you yeah. know, but we can rectify the last one. We can make sure he's dead. Then he ain't coming back after us. Yeah. So, uh, now it's a bit of a mystery how they knew where he was whilst th- the whole town was at this hanging. Uh, maybe, maybe somebody spotted him going into the building. Yeah, I, well, I think, like... When they got their last information, and the the gang fragmented as well. There were there were like five of them there, and then two of them decide to go off. They're like, "Look, Captain, we've been riding you, with you for years, but I'm gonna, just gonna keep going." And he says to them, "Like you'll be riding for it, like a like be hunted a like scared. a dog, yeah, you know." And they're like, "I don't care." So two of them leave, and he's left with with Loomis and Tommy. And I think it's Loomis who spots. Cooper as he's walking through the town to grab the girl. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so then they decide to go to the hotel while everybody's at the hanging to gun him down, which... It's a bit like, I mean, like, they've, they've hung this man at the start of the film. He survived three days or more out in the <laughs> desert, you know, yeah, and, and yeah. got patched up. And now he's been shot three, four, five, ten times in yeah. the back. All, all over. I, it's hard to tell. Tell you, it's like it's like a GTA fucking video game. You know? <laughs> like this is what the, the... it's the this is the, the I mean I, it's a great scene, but yeah. I just like I mean for all intents and purposes, dude should be freaking dead, <laughs> like very very dead. You know, and then the next scene is like, no, there he is. He's he's in the hospital. He's in he's in this bed set. Yeah, he's all no, patched no. up now. Yeah, Rachel stopped the bleeding. I'm like, really, and took out all the bullets, and you know, and everybody's fine. He, he's fine. He's the hero. I gotta, I gotta give credit to the the prostitute, the 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 working girl in that shot because she sat in bed and she pulls out one of the cigarettes and she lights a, a, a match from yeah. the side and all in one take it actually goes on. She puts on, she smokes a cigarette. I was like, wow, I can't even do that. <laughs> now the film does have a bit of a, a lull here. Now we're, you know we're gonna get into the love story part yes. of the film where yeah. we start getting all the backstory for, uh, for 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 Rachel Warren. And, you know, she's the one who, who sat up with him all night, made sure no one else intervened. Yeah. You know, and the, and the other madam is just like, you be careful, otherwise when he's patched up, you're going to have a man on your hands. Yeah, I love that line. <laughs> and, uh, and so, yeah, and then before you know it, they're out picnicking out in the sunny meadows. Yeah. You know, and then all of a sudden there's a storm hits <laughs> yeah. and, and then she's carrying him back to a, to a hut. And yeah. He, he's trying to kiss her and then, then she's asleep and then he tries to kiss her. Well, they were, they're kissing out in the sunshine when they're having the picnic and yeah I'll admit yeah this was a bit of a lull in the story because they're trying to now explain her and what her whole part is yeah and she she explains which I thought was really good from Inga Stevens that she she put across this really great backstory of how she'd come out with her husband you know and she was married and they were in love and one night while they were camping two men came along killed her husband and raped her basically next to his dead body and like you look at Eastwood and Eastwood kind of just looks away like ooh, because he's been trying to kiss her like mm, do I how do I how do I continue this conversation and it's another back and forth just like he's had with Pat Hingle where he basically basically says to her like you know what are you going to do when you find them what are you going to do if you don't ever find them and I'm like Ask yourself that question, Cooper, because that's basically what you're doing. And then, yeah, somehow there's a storm coming along. Fucking Eastwood gets a fever. They have to blanket down in this really old hut. I'm pretty sure they have sex at the end of this sequence when he wakes up. Um, and then they go back to town. <laughs> you know, and she's like, what are you going to do? And 
he's like, oh, I've got to go back to Red Creek because I want to capture the last of these people. And he explains it to Pat Ingle as well that he was going to hand in his badge. And Pat yeah. Ingle's just like, you can't. You've still got these last few people to get. And you know, I will come after you with every strength of the law, basically, if you if you go out there without that badge. Yeah, and I and plus I want you to capture these guys because nobody comes into my town and for, and fucking shoots at in one of my daylight. in yeah. broad daylight and shoots at one of my marshals. You must get them for me. And I like I suppose you'd call this the final sequence because that's I didn't even realize it was going to be because yeah. you know you've got um, Ed Beagley. And Tommy and Loomis at this house. And he goes there and they release a dog onto him, which chases him up a tree. They fire loads of bullets at the tree and hit nothing but the dog. Um, And then he kind of stealthily takes each one of them out. Tommy goes outside with a knife and then Loomis goes out as well. And you see Tommy dead on the floor with a knife and then Loomis is killed. And then when... Cooper makes his way into the house. Captain Wilson has hung himself. Yeah. And you're like, wow, that's that's it. That is it, yeah. I mean, we know that there's still two more that, that escaped. Yeah. But um, Clint goes back into town, speaks speaks to uh, the judge, explains the situation. And then uh, and the judge is just like, well, I've got this work and this work. And he's yeah. like, well, off I go. Yeah, he, they still, the, the law still wants these two men. He does manage to convince the judge to let go of Jenkins, which was the old yes, man in the dungeon. gives him a pardon. So I was like, at least, you know, like that, all, all of those storylines that mainly have been brought up are, are resolved. Yeah. And, and it was a nice balance then between the, the vengeance, the justice, the redemption. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and what's fair, right and wrong. And all of those, th- all those things, there's all the gray area, which, which is cool. And this is one of the things that I love about, mostly, uh, Westerns do this more often than not. Where the the main story is not always fully resolved. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. It, it's you know our hero, our our lone gunman, you know, riding out into the sunset or the sunrise across the prairie, silhouetted. Yeah, you know, he's still got a job to do. So as the credits are rolling, you know, he's still out there. He's still going to bring those those outlaws back for justice. Yeah, and uh, and it's you don't need to go and see him get the other two. You know, you you don't need it. Yeah. Help me turn this godforsaken territory into a state where no one man calls himself the law. I want that old man pardoned. You pick up your badge. Tonight, right now. There was one bit in the movie I was quite upset that they just kind of smoothed over it. They, I mean, they talked about it, but didn't make it a big thing because it was Cooper's story. But it was the fact that the Marshal Bliss, who'd saved Cooper at the beginning, he got gunned down. At one point during the movie. Yeah. And, you know, uh, Pat Pat Hingle's character kind of just brings it up and says, yeah, you know, he, Bliss was killed by, like, four men he was trying to bring out from town. And Eastwood, Eastwood says, like, wow, you know, Bliss saved my life. I really like the guy. And it was... You, you kind of just left it that he was dead, but it was more of an emphasis of, look, there are bad guys out there. We need lawmen to do the job. And... And what I was meaning when when I say sometimes about bringing back hanging, I like I know it's a horrible thing, you know. But when you look at it in this movie, the way this movie portrayed it, this was a this was a weekly thing. This was a day to day thing. This was like going to church, and you had all these different people there, all these different religions, all these different all these different people talking about, you know, 
what these men were hanging for. And yes, okay, that's where the court system came in. That's where more lawyers came in. That's when we got more laws. And yes, that's where we are nowadays. But when you see those boots hang, you know, that really kind of solidifies for you that if you break the law, there's a there's a consequence at the end. Be it Clint Eastwood with a fucking gun or, or a rope around the neck. Yep. Me up. Well, then, what were your other favourite scenes from the film? Um, I only had a, a, a few. Uh, I I did like you know the uh, the zoom ins on on Clint. You know the cap uh, the camera really captured his face. Um, there was that point where he sees the hanging at the beginning with Pat Ingle, and Pat Ingle's just like, look, that's the guy who obviously got you in trouble, and he's just hung for it. And the camera kind of zoomed in on his face. I suppose <laughs> that's why I mean like kind of rough. Where that zoom in wasn't wasn't like a film professional zoom in. It was more like a TV sure. kind of zoom in. But it emphasized like, look, this is our hero. Look at the shock on his face. At the horrors that he's seen. You know, it's what you'd use for the trailer. This would build on for his character in this movie. Because uh, Dirty Harry wouldn't come for another couple of years. But Dirty Harry kind of is like a, a, a descendant of this character of wanting to seek justice, yep, yep. you know, and he's got this badge and he's got to do it this certain way, <laughs> you know, he's an honourable man, but he just wants to blast every fucking bad guy inside. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm behind you with that one. Uh, making Bruce Dern walk in the desert, like, Miller was just being an ass and they had to walk their horses because the horses were tired. And when he gets into walk, he's, Bruce Dern starts to do like tiny little steps. <laughs> and then he forces him. There was that, that other part where he's like, will you be my friend, Marshall? <laughs> yeah. Oh, Bruce Dern in this was fantastic. Yes. I mean, he he is the, the film's biggest villain, I think, <laughs> just because he's so horrible in it. But like I'd seen him in a couple, uh, like, like he was great in um, Support Your Local Sheriff. Like he's brilliant in Silent Running. And when you like, when you look at him in this, and then you flick to like Hateful Eight with the old man, he's the old man. Of course, oh, of course, yeah, amazing. <laughs> um, I love the sequence where he woke up in bed. Like they've just gone through the whole desert, and the sheriff, uh, the sheriff has captured him as he's turned up in the town with the prisoners. And he wakes up in bed, and the beautiful redhead comes in, and she puts the tray of food in front of him, and he starts eating, and she lights a cigarette, and she's like, "Is there anything I could do for you, Marshall?" And Eastwood's like, "Hmm." <laughs> I, I really liked, like like Gary said, it was a bit of a lull and it came a bit late in the movie, I think. I think they should have maybe, if, I don't know, maybe they should have brought it in at the beginning of the movie to explain who she was um, and then have her and the Marshall kind of getting together early on in the movie. But Rachel uh, Rachel's backstory about what happened to her and why she doesn't want to kiss the Marshall. Maybe it's been a few years. I don't know. We don't, it does, the movie doesn't tell us that, but... Like, she is an incredibly beautiful woman for this time period. Um, and, like, her back and forth with Clint was, was well, but it was so short. But there was this one line where um, she says to Cooper when, she, when he's asking her about the people that she's looking for. She says to him, we all have our ghosts, Marshall. Some hide them better than others. And I was like, oh, like, Eastwood... Clint Eastwood had done well with all of the actors he was going up against in this movie when yeah. he had to reflect his script back. You know, oh, I'm 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 the hero, and this I'm gonna say this. Oh yes, but I'm just a back character, and I'm gonna say this back. And you go, oh, well, they've got a point. 
absolutely yeah yeah <laughs> i really liked the, the script here i thought there was lots of interesting snippets of dialogue as well that really you know built these characters up mm. in, in a really good way yeah and I suppose my last favourite scene would have to be the hanging sequence, uh, especially the last requests where each man is asked about what they um, they'd like to do before. You know, you had the drunk guy giving this massive whole speech, which while you're listening to it, you're thinking, after this moment, mate, that's it. Literally, that could be their only memory of you is the speech you give. And the brother turning to his other brother and saying, bye, Ben. Oh, yeah, that hurt, didn't it? Oh, <laughs> that was rough. That was rough. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, it, it's on my list as well. The as favorite scenes, the, the hanging scene, the, the six of them on the gallows there, uh, ready to to drop. Um, but I mean, it, it's a, it's a it's an extended scene from the morning, you know, the build up, the the everyone from town coming in, the priest's speech, the 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 guy confessing his yeah. last words, you know, all the way up to the hanging, all the way up to the shooting um, uh, in um, uh, with, with Cooper. Uh, it's a fantastic scene, all of it, all of it's really good, uh, and also. My other favourite scene is the first five minutes of the film as well, yeah. all the way up to when the title appears on the screen. Yes. Just, I loved, you know, it, it's one of those westerns that just eases you into, you know, that, that like, the first five minutes is you travelling back in time yes. to this era. Yes. So you acclimatise to it, get yourself comfortable, right up to the hanging, and then from there, you know what sort of story it's going to be, and, and you're already in, you're invested. Um, and, and I think it's because... Like, they did this very simple trick with, with Cooper where, you know, he's, he's, get, he's got all the cows. He gets them all across the water. Yeah. And he looks back and he sees the baby cow. <laughs> yeah. And he gets in the border and he scoops up this baby and he rescues yeah. it and gets it back on land. So you're already like, this is oh, our guy, you yeah. know? <laughs> and then when he's being hung, you're like, no, fuck them guys. He's got, <laughs> they got to pay. Yeah, so yeah. I was like, yeah, that, that's the beginning scene really set things up very, very well. Another one of my favourite scenes is the scene where the judge is convincing him to take the badge. Yes. Um, that dialogue there, the scene where, I mean, as an audience, we're like, yeah, go on, take the badge, take the badge, take the badge, <laughs> and go get him, go get him. Uh, but the dialogue there was, I, I really enjoyed that. The build up to him putting the badge back on. It's the age old story, isn't it? Where like, you know, in the old West where you have to go back and get the sheriff out of retirement. Yes. For one yeah, more job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, another one of my favourite scenes um, is the committed three mistakes speech. Oh, from uh, Ed Beagley, yeah. From Ed Beagley, like, we made a mistake with the lawman, we made a mistake letting him go, and etc. cetera. Uh, and just the way he delivers it and the way it just settles the tone and the mood then for, you know, even though they, they, they felt like they were doing the right thing, now they have to absolutely go and do a wrong thing. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I like that. I mean, I love that about the, the gang themselves, is that most gangs, posses in some westerns, is literally you've got the leader and everybody else is a no-named enemy yeah. who's going to get shot off the back. In this one, yeah, there were a few like that, but like we said, we had Jenkins who quit the posse so that he could turn himself in. You know, Reno was drunk as hell. You know, Bruce Dern was doing his thing. And then you had... Uh, Ed Begley with his couple of posse members and two of them left. Yeah. And we didn't even see what happened to them at the end of the movie. Yeah. And my other favourite scene is the actual courtroom scene where yes. where Cooper is trying to say something uh, about the two boys and uh, he keeps getting fine in contempt of court. Yes. And he, you know, eventually you know, up to the point where he just sits there in silence and he has no power in the courtroom. His power is out there with his badge and gun. In the courtroom, he is literally being used as a prop, as a as a tool of the judge, which is what, again, causes the friction about what's right in yeah. this justice system. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's some great, great scenes in the film. 
Well, Ian, do you recommend Hang 'em High? I do. I mean, obviously, if you're not a Western fan, you're not going to get anything from this. But if you do love a Western and you've never seen Hang 'em High, check it out. Simply, like, it's, it, it hits the points of it as a standard Western. But like we said, the script work really, really works where they are discussing what's right and what's wrong. You know, is it better to die with a gun in your hand or a rope around your neck? You know, are people fighting to survive or are they just breaking the law because they can? You know, it's it's all those little grey areas, like we said, we discuss. And Clint Eastwood, I just think, is top notch. Hell yeah. Yeah, this gets my recommendation. It was a joy to watch from the story, the characters, the sets and locations, the music, the internal battles of justice and revenge, right and wrong, all delivered fantastically by director Ted Post. Hang'em High has always been really cast, though, under the shadows of the Dollars trilogy. And I think it's often overlooked, um, you know, as another tough guy Clint Eastwood movie. But I think there's a lot going on here with the characters in the conversations about capital punishment and the, the, the verdicts on fair justice. And I think it's a brilliant script brought to life fantastically by Eastwood and Pat Hingle, Ed Beagley and Bruce Dern, who really, really shine here. The music is fairly bombastic and loud when it needs to be, was very fitting for its time, and really aided in the escapist fantasy of the lone rider on the plains tracking a wanted criminal. I also think it's interesting that the soundtrack was done in eight days, and uh, Dominic Frontier was also told to make it sound exactly like an Ennio Morricone soundtrack, um, which I think he replicated fairly well. This is an easy-to-watch film. Nothing too lewd, fairly bloodless, but still shocking in places. And after the opening scene, you'll find yourself really invested in the story and you'll want to see it through. It's a highly entertaining Western drama with memorable characters and action. Give this one a watch. But remember, when you hang a man, you better look at him. Thanks for watching Off The Shelf Reviews. Anything else I could do for you, Marshall?